Welcome, everyone, to the Farm CPA Podcast. Uh, I am Paul Nefer, your host. And uh, in today's conversation, we're going to have a discussion with Wally Thomas. He's the owner of Morrison Services up in, I believe, are you based in Owatonna, uh, Minnesota, Wally? Yeah, that's correct, Paul. Yeah, Owatonna, Minnesota. We've moved our office here in uh, 2021. Okay, okay. Uh, I had actually... Uh, I had done a, a quick little uh, talk for you earlier this week, and I thought we'd have a, a podcast. Uh, it was a pretty interesting. It wasn't too hot when I was up there, although we <laughs> uh, uh, we did turn on the uh, fans and open up the doors a little bit. But uh, is it a little warmer today compared to earlier this week? Uh, it is a lot warmer. I'm I'm pretty thankful we did that on Monday, Paul, versus uh, the last two days. Yeah, humidity's yeah. good, <laughs> pretty high, but uh, you know. Um, it's summer in southern Minnesota. We're used to humidity. Yeah, I'm I'm actually currently in Moline, Illinois at the last day of the Farm Financial Standards Council meeting, and we're doing a, a tour of some ag stuff later this afternoon. It's going to be 101 and probably 80% humidity. I'm not sure if I'm really looking forward to it, but we do have an air-conditioned coach, so maybe it won't be too bad. Yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, we always like to start off with uh, your background and so on, where you grew up, education, uh, and what you did before you got started with Morrison. Yeah, yeah, sure, Paul. Yeah, I I grew up on a uh, what I call a diversified dairy farm in North Central North Dakota. Um, that was uh, in the '60s and '70s. You know, so grew up uh, milking cows, baling hay. Um, summers you know spending uh getting ready for winter you know um, <laughs> but uh so so yeah um after i uh um left home uh went to school at uh, ndsu um got my so you're, uh, so, so you're a proud bison is that right i think I'm aren't a, they the bison? A, yeah I, i'm a proud bison fan you know um the rabbits kind of um chased took us you down this year, year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for the first time in almost decades you know but yeah but uh that was a well-deserved win they, they 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 deserved it yeah so yeah um yeah so i so i went to ndsu and uh got my degree in ag education and uh what i had in mind um was uh, teaching high school for uh, three years and then going back to the family farm in uh, North Dakota. But um, things happen. You fall in love and you, and and you get a you get a wife that uh, looked at uh, or um, I should say a fiance that looked at um, North Central North Dakota. And we kind of <laughs> talked about some things and she goes, you are not going to get me out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I decided, well, hey, you know, I'll, I'll be the, do what I can, teach in ag. And um, and so I went from teaching high school ag and, and had uh, two other teaching positions after that uh, at um, North Dakota State College of Science and come down to Southern Minnesota uh, in 1990 as a farm management instructor. And uh, when I was, when I was a farm management instructor, um, one of my mentors uh, actually asked me for a banking job or if I wanted a, a banking job with their community bank. And this was in 
1993 when we had 30-30-30 corn in southern Minnesota. So um, I cut my teeth in banking in kind of a little tough part of our economic uh, yep. cycle. But uh, so so I spent uh, or, or I learned to learn the banking industry uh, with the community bank. And um, after that, um, had uh, worked for another um, national bank and a regional bank. And um, so so my career before I uh, retired in um, 2019, I had three teaching jobs and three banking jobs. And um, the owners of the of the last bank I worked for, you know, um, I, I had told them that um, I would give them 10 years, no more. Um, and I wanted to do something different. And uh, so so I was able to accomplish that within uh, eight and a half years. And uh, in uh, in 2018, yeah, I, I started talking to the owner of Morrison Services, Gary Leet, and uh, <clears throat> I wanted to do something different in ag real estate and consulting. And so him and I kind of worked through, you know, some of the in and outs and um, kind of talking about how I would um, move into Morrison Services. And so that fourth quarter of, of 2018, Gary says, okay, let's quit talking and see if we can make this thing work. So, <laughs> so he said, come on board. And I said, wait a minute, you know, let me, uh, let me get through my renewals, you know, with my farmers as an ag banker. And he said, can we, can we get going? Uh, in, in April when I get all my renewals done and he says yeah absolutely you know take care of those and so I retired out of that bank and and refired and drove down to Blooming Prairie and started working for for Gary Leet and you know part of our succession plan was to um, see if this is going to work on the on the transition side but also um, make sure that we could build enough income in the company so that Number one, I could make a living and I could pay for the stock of MSI. So right, we, we, right, we, right. Had a, we had a five-year plan and uh, we actually did it in three and a half years, you know, to a point where um, he uh, allowed me to uh, build up some, some portfolio with the ag real estate portfolio uh, that was there. Um, I brought in some consulting and financial analysis training and... Uh, was able to buy the stock from Gary um, in January of 2022. Okay, okay. I'm going to back up a little bit. Uh, you know, when you mentioned that your uh, wife-to-be took one look at uh, North Central North Dakota and decided maybe that's not the, uh, the place for her, uh, that sort of reminds me of my mom and dad. Uh, you know, my dad I actually grew up in the Dakotas, uh, was born in South Dakota, and then uh, okay. spent a fair amount of time in North Dakota, and then came out to the Pacific Northwest and actually started homesteading, you know, would would get 160 acres, did that in southern Idaho, and then in the early 50s, moved up to the Columbia Basin when they opened up that project and did a homesteading there. And he's a bachelor, and, you know, he's got a mobile home. I think he had a, you know, a little trailer that he was living uh -huh. in. And he ended up marrying my 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 mother, who lived had her own house, owned farmland down in the Walla Walla area, 
And if you've ever been in Washington State, Othello yep. area is sort of a desert. Uh, Walla Walla's got some nice uh, uh, foothills, the Blue Mountains. They got married. My my mother went up to live with my dad up in Othello, and I think that lasted about six months and said, uh, you know, either you're moving back to Walla Walla, um, Otto, <laughs> my dad was Otto, or I'm leaving you, I think, because basically, now they never told me that, but that's, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. <laughs> so, but, uh, and yeah. then, uh, and I, and I got to admit, because uh, we used to go up and visit my um, cousins up in Othello, and I like going up to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. So I, I, I will admit <laughs> that. So, but, well, uh, it, it, it's a good place to be from. In, in yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of people say that about the, the, although, you know, the Dakotas in the summertime and spring and fall is pretty nice. It's just that, uh, you know, in the wintertime, it gets a little cold. Yeah. 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 Yeah, of course, that's true of Owatonna, Minnesota, too. So <laughs> it, it is, but not quite as bad as uh, North Central North Dakota. Yeah. 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 So what what is a Morrison company? What what does it do? What what do you guys offer for the farmers? Yeah. Um, yeah. Morrison's been around since uh, um, the early 80s. And, you know, the, the foundation on, on the services that Morrison provides has been secondary ag real estate financing. And you know, originally it started out um, with participations and servicing that um, was put together with uh, funds from uh, Prudential. And uh, Prudential at the time, you know, was um, doing um, a lot of deals, you know, where, where banks at that time were kind of backing off. So the foundation was uh, developed with um, loan servicing and participations with um, Prudential. And um, it has really evolved to um, taking a look at um, other financing sources and, and other um, funding sources so that we can be a little more nimble and provide um, a multitude of products, you know, that um, fit whatever client that uh, wants our services. So, um, I mean, that's been the foundation on it. And uh, when when I came on board, I had a background in, in banking, had a background in teaching, and it just seemed like it would be a natural where I could move into doing some uh, financial analysis for farms and helping them with succession plans. So, you know, right now our, our company has um, a portfolio of ag real estate that we service that is uh, 165 million. And that portfolio is um, dominantly in southern Minnesota, but we're scattered uh, throughout um, North Dakota, South Dakota, um, Iowa, and um, North Central Missouri. So, um, you know, that portfolio is um, serviced by by three of us. You know, um, I've got a um, office manager that's been with the company for 22 years. Um, I put on another loan servicing specialist in uh, April this year. So we've got a small, mighty staff that has some fairly low overhead that can really provide some uh, very competitive loan products to uh, farms that are um, in the Midwest. And uh, we can also provide 
um, some uh, consulting services on financial analysis and um, succession planning. So, um, and, and that seemed to meld together quite well. Um, my, my tagline is uh, ag financing and consulting with a heart of a teacher. And, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, working with working with farmers has always been my passion and I just love it. You know, I mean, I can I can do it on my own my own uh, time and um, tailor, you know, what I'm offering my clients to what their farm really needs. So a farmer that let's say is interested in buying some farmland, they would come to you directly and then you would find the source of the financing, whether it's Prudential or another insurance company or somebody else that wants to provide that loan. Is is that effectively what you're doing? Yep, that, that that's exactly right. So so you know what what uh what they come to us with is, you know, um, what they're looking for for borrowed capital on it. Um, I do the underwriting on it. I take and, and look at the recommendations, look at the sources of financing, whether it's Prudential, um, whether it's Farmer Mac, whether it's AgriBank, whether it's uh, independent banks, um, and then, you know, find the right product that's going to fit their need. And since you're the servicing agent for these loans, does the farmer then write the check to you? You sort of act as the escrow company in a way, or does the farmer then write the check directly to the lender? You know, uh, the, the beauty about it is, um, you know, we control our own billing, um, you know, and, and we run them through Morrison Services. We also have a private label billing that will um, help us produ produce the invoices, but um, you know, we're the ones that are um, the, the, the liaison um, you know, from our clients to where our sources of funding are. So, okay. Um, okay. You know, yeah, we, we are the direct liaison. We, we, don't, we don't like to uh, give up that servicing so we can still keep in touch with our clients. Right, right. Do you have any unique properties that you've been involved with financing I'm, I'm just curious if there's uh uh you know like a ginseng farm or anything like that that, that you've been involved with because you know <laughs> i won't say that corn and soybeans are boring because i have my corn and soybean ground but you know it's sort of interesting once in a while to find uh you know that there's there's other ag products out there beside corn soybean and wheat right 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 yeah um yeah we've, we've got some uh or a a really unique relationship um, for a potato grower is is one of our uh, unique projects, and um, you know that has uh, brought me down into um, knowing uh, a few things about uh, irrigated land in Arizona and uh, land in Georgia, um, some properties in Texas. So yeah, there there's some unique things that we can get involved with. Um, so yeah, that's the most unique one that I've got is um, a potato industry that our potato farmer has a uh, uh, seed potatoes and um, stock potatoes uh, grown in uh, northern uh, Minnesota, and then now um, also in California and in Arizona. 
Yeah, and, and you know the interesting thing about you know potato growers is you're not going to grow potatoes on the same field year after year. You know you typically have a three-year rotation, and what a lot of those growers will do, they'll find other farmers that want to farm that potato field for the two years that it's not in potatoes. You know they'll put you know wheat or corn or whatever it might be. Right. But then the potato farmer will use their land to put in their potatoes when it's not on their ground. So it's it is a pretty interesting process. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, there's a lot of uh, capital and and uh, you know the, the the marketing cycle on potatoes is pretty intense. Yeah, and then you have you know you can have a contract potato. You can have it for uh, chips. You can you can go fresh. Uh, uh, it, it's a little bit more of the Wild West compared to, uh, you know, corn and soybeans. So that's <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, ab yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, we definitely have seen an increase in interest rates. Uh, uh, I think at the consumer side or the, you know, non-farmer side, uh, you know, what's kept up housing pricing is everybody's got these low mortgage interest rates they are locked in for 15 or 30 years. They're not going to sell their house, so that's really restricted the supply. Whereas on the farmland side, you know, we don't have that restriction on supply, but there's still good demand. There still seems to be cash. But are you seeing any fractures in that uh, uh, from what you've seen so far? Yeah, I, you know, the, the, this interest rate environment is is very very interesting, and you know, um, I mean, we just had the. Um, FOM uh, in, increase interest rates again another uh, quarter point this week. You know, so we're up, we're up here at five and a half. You know, it's it, it's really a uh, short-term interest rate that is is the highest that it's been in um, twenty years, really. Um, but what what's what's unique with it is um, we have. A lot of our ag real estate uh, loans are are tied to ten-year treasuries, and that's gone up, um, and and has followed uh, prime, you know, in overnight funds rates. But um, what I'm seeing that's kind of interesting is we're starting to see a little consolidation in that ten-year treasury rate, um, which funds a lot of ag real estate um, loans across the country. So what I guess what I'm noticing is that consolidation is um, actually actually gonna uh, steepen that inverted yield curve, you know, for a while here. And um, so what the challenge is, is um, where are we gonna be, you know, long-term rates, you know, five years from now, seven years from now for, um, you know, how do you put the right product together that is really the sweet spot so you got some flexibility um, because, you know, one thing that is, is inevitable, these interest rates are going to change um, mm -hmm. and, and they have changed and, uh, you know, you got some short-term rates that, you know, um, are, are um, going up and they're designed to go up to um, curb inflation. Um, and and there's just kind of a fight between okay, do we still have inflation or are we heading into a recession? And and, and it seems like you know every time we have a inverted yield curve like we have today, there 
there does end up at one point being a recession and that that yield curve has to or will typically straighten out so it's not a inverted yield curve so well i i i think what's happening to one of your competitors now for uh long-term farmland financing is actually the farmer that's selling the land you know if he sells it <laughs> on installment basis uh, he can defer that tax he can probably get a six percent interest rate five or six percent interest rate which a couple of years ago they would have paid to get a five percent rate on on mm -hmm. on their cd now they can lock in you know five or six percent rate uh, as long as the purchaser has a pretty good size down payment, the the farmer, hey, if I get 30 or 40 percent down, um, and even if they give the land back to me, I've got 30 or 40 percent down, and I get the land back. So I I, I think we're going to see more and more of that. Are you starting to see that already? Uh, I am, Paul. I'm uh, just just last week, uh, one of my clients was um, buying real estate. Um, and, and you know, adjacent to their farm here in uh, southeast Minnesota, and um, of course they um, this was being bought from an estate. Uh, land was held in trust. Everybody needs to get out of uh, or wants to convert that land to cash. You know, um, for yep. a, a number of reasons. But um, what what ended up. Uh, on that deal is just exactly what you said, where the seller actually uh, put together a contract for deed, um, and and the the loan structure, loan product that was offered to that farmer was um, really pretty um, pretty enticing. I mean, it yep. was it was actually a contract for deed with interest rates lower than what they could get in uh, any secondary market or any uh, or from any institution that is really good at ag real estate loans. So, um, and as far as the downstroke on it, um, you know they 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 knew what they wanted, you know, for cash down on that contract for deed, and um, surprisingly, it was actually less than what a traditional um, loan you know, with a financial institution would be. So um, long story short, yeah, I mean, that deal got put together with a 10-year um, fixed interest rate at uh, 5% with a uh, loan to value on that uh, piece of property that was uh, 20%. Wow, that, that is good. Now, <laughs> was that a amortized over 10 or amortized over maybe 20 with a balloon in 10 or, or yeah, how was, it was that a, structure yep 25 year am with a balloon in 10 that's right that's still yeah. a pretty good deal that's, it, it, uh, it, it, yeah it's a great deal you know but you know and and you know and, and when we were talking about it you know with that client i'm going man you know if you can get it done get it done you know i mean short term short term investments on cash you know you can barely get five percent you know so um, and, and at the same time, you know, if, if I was going to go and get a secondary um, loan product for that, um, you know, my sweet spot right now is um, somewhere around uh, six point 
um, nine five, you know, with yep. a seven year adjustable on a 15, 20, 25, 30 year deal. It doesn't matter, you know, uh, right now what kind of amortization you want. Um, but if you want a if you want a loan product for a certain amount of of time, um, the amortization on on these loans doesn't matter. Yeah. All well, and, and you're not going to get by with only twenty percent down. No. <laughs> yeah. No. What what no. what are lenders wanting now as far as are they want thirty thirty five or what what's that sweet spot for most lenders? You know the you know the sweet spot on on uh, for for most lenders right now. Is you know, and, and it depends on the size of the deal, right? So, um, but but if you're looking at a traditional um, loan, you know that is going to be somewhere between uh, one and a half um, million and and up. Um, typically, it's it's thirty five percent down, you know, or or equity into it. Um, yep. But when you get into some of these other um, loan products where you can get the best interest rates on it yeah it, it's still at 50 percent, 55 percent paul yeah um, yeah 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 it's it's uh i i think um you know for the farmers out there that uh are interested in buying and they have a neighbor that maybe is in that situation where there's been a an estate or something uh you know going to them and and offering those type of terms a lot of times those sellers like the idea that hey uh, you know, we can lock in a 5% rate for 10 years. Uh, um, we have, um, uh, you know, the fact that we can spread that tax liability yep. out over that term, you know, it's a pretty, pretty enticing form. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And I, you know, and when you think about it and, and do the math on it, you're, you're probably still getting, you know, that one and a half, 2% return on that investment on it. And, um, but at the same time, you know, um, get some return, you know, to, to carry yep. that farmer. I mean, yep. it's a win-win. Yep. Well, uh, Wally, we're going to take a quick break for a sponsor message, and we'll come back and talk about a few other things, and we'll finish up the podcast. Sounds good. How many years away is the long run for a farmer? Five years? Ten years? Top producers like Hans Reinchi, a blue diamond farming company in Jessup, Iowa, know RoboAgri Finance shares his enduring vision for the future. Whether it's I'm building our grain site, or if it's purchasing the next field, we're able to turn to Robo as a trusted partner to help us get financing to make those generational decisions. With unmatched financial capacity, local relationship managers, and a global network of sector experts to offer market guidance, RoboAgar Finance provides enterprising farmers with a personalized approach to lending and financial services. Growing a better world together, RoboAgar Finance. Welcome everyone back to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I'm Paul Neefer, your host, and we're going to rejoin our conversation with Wally Thomas from uh, Morrison uh, Companies up in Owatonna, Minnesota. Now, Wally, you've been or you've had some loans out in Arizona and that area, and certainly we know that 
the Colorado River has had some restrictions. Mm -hmm. They just did an agreement between the states. California finally signed off on it and so on. What what are what are your thoughts if uh, what's going on out in that area? The water rights are king, right? You know, um, you know, and yeah, there, there's getting to be more and more um, environmental issues and concerns. And you know, um, if if you've got irrigation out in those areas, you know, it's it's naturally something that uh, you want to try to keep. But to fight for those water rights is getting worse and worse and worse. Um, you know, to a point where it's going to get uh, cost prohibitive, you know, if if we can't um, get some source of water out there, you know, that, that's that's going to be um, consistent. Yeah, well, I think that's especially true if you're raising like alfalfa, which is a yep. heavy, heavy water user, potatoes, that's another heavy water user. Um, yeah, and, you know, Phoenix area keeps expanding. My my oldest son lives there. You know, it's now what almost five million people in that area, and it keeps growing. So, um, yeah, it's going to be tough if you're a farmer in that area to to keep farming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, you know, the, the the other interesting area, you know, that I've just started to take a look at um, is um, Missouri. Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, you know they got their crop off in in record time or or planted in record time this spring and then all of a sudden um you know things dried up but um you know they're they're not as restrictive there you know for using pond irrigation and that kind of thing as is what some of the other states are so um it, it's interesting to see where this uh, migration will happen you know and it seems like it's moving more into the the midwest with um more productive ground yeah. and well, more reason. I, yeah, and I have I have uh, farmland, irrigated farmland down in southwest Missouri. I put in a new well earlier this year. Uh, I think it's 1,600 gallons a minute. Uh, irrigates about 450 acres, and uh, yeah. although I had to extend it because we were starting to run out of, out of water, so I had to, uh, I think, put casing down another 120 feet, but uh, it's pretty productive. Um, you know, the issue with that area is, like you said, uh, the, getting the crop in in the springtime, you know, it'll be too wet and then it'll dry out. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but I've been pretty happy. And plus, I'm not spending $15,000, $20,000 an acre to buy the ground. You know, it's a whole lot less than that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, you know the, the, the interesting thing is, you know, the, the ground's a little less, but you've got some variation. Um but that whole state of Missouri is still pretty livestock intense. And yep. it's, you know, um, those uh, cow-calf operators are finally getting their due, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Well, and the other thing, too, about that's nice now in that area, the basis is pretty good. You know, you can be a 50 yeah. cents or a buck over because, you know, they need the feed to, to feed the animals. So uh, right. uh, that part hasn't hurt me either. So we'll, right. we'll see how right. long that lasts. So, yeah, well, yeah. we're getting close to the end of our podcast. And I always like to ask my questions. So uh, first question I'm going to ask is, uh, who's your mentor? <laughs> you know, um, I, I've had a number of mentors over the years. You know, I mean, um, I guess my first mentor, you know, was my high school ag instructor. He's the one that told me to, 
get off the farm and and, and get an ag degree you know um yep. And, yep. yeah and uh yeah i was one of i was the first of six kids you know to actually go get a four-year degree you know um so yeah he, he was a he was a big part of my life and and then when you um as i was um uh, going in and and uh switching careers you know i, I had a I had a banker or the banker that offered me that first ag teaching or um, banking job um, in uh, southern Minnesota with that independent bank. He was a pretty good mentor of mine, too. You know, <laughs> you know, he he helped me um, uh, make the make the switch from, you know, being an instructor, to actually being the guy on the bot on the on the other end, um, making the decisions based off of all that financial analysis. So you got to, you know. Um, so he was uh, he was very instrumental in um, uh, helping me uh, develop some skills. And of course, um, one of my other uh, national mentors that everybody knows is David Cole. You know, I mean, yeah. I've, I've been following him for for a long time. Um, but um, it, it seems like you know those those you got to have some mentors in your life and and people that you can can count on and. Um, you know, Mark Novak, when I when I uh, um, got into the banking industry, it was it was really pretty instrumental and, you know, um, got me introduced to, you know, who David Cole was and, you know, life moves on, you know, as you, as you take uh, some of those uh, um, recommendations and um, lifestyles into into effect. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know. <laughs> Back, you know, God, my mom was a heck of a mentor too. You know, I mean, she, <laughs> she, uh, she's kind of like me. Uh, God, she loved the work. She loved the sweat. You know, <laughs> for, yeah. for a farm lady. Yeah, yeah, she was a big part of my life too. Yeah, I, I get uh, the math brain uh, from my mom, and uh, uh, you know, for the younger people on here, they they probably don't know that back, you know, 50 years ago when you went into a grocery store, there was no scanner. <laughs> And and there'd be a little machine you'd punch in forty two cents or buck forty seven, and and my mom would actually count in her head what the final bill would be, what the final invoice would be, and she'd always be within a nickel. Yeah. And and I remember at age five and six, I was like, what What's my mom doing? And and then yeah. I started racing her, and about age nine or ten. I was faster than my mom on that, and she was actually proud that I was faster than her. So you know, it's just one of those <laughs> things. So, but uh, so you know, you're 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 like me. You like to work, but I'm assuming you probably have some hobbies too. Yeah, you know, and and you know, those those hobbies have changed over over my span of my career too. You know, when I was when I was young, I, my my main hobby was. Um, building remodeling and house remodeling, you know, I mean, uh, spent a lot of time um, re remodeling houses and uh, uh, redoing things and got, I really enjoyed it, you know, cause you could, you could get out of the office and uh, it'll go down the basement, start ripping two by fours out or putting two <laughs> by fours yeah. in. And it was, yep. it, it was an awesome way to, um, you know, get rid of some anxiety and some energy. So, um, so, I done that, you know, with, with with six houses, um, you know. But now, you know, as as I'm looking at things um, a little differently, and hopefully, I got my last house in in uh, in a 
in shape enough where I don't have to spend a lot of time on that. I, I um, do a lot of hiking, do a lot of biking, do a lot of reading, uh, listen to a lot of music. You know? Yep. The, the, yeah, the stuff that I know the hobbies I had when I was younger are not the hobbies I have now, although uh, I'm, I'm like all the other old people. I'm picking up pickleball, so I, I really like that. So, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the important thing uh, is, is, you know, even even with these uh, farmers that are seasoned farmers, you know, I mean, you got to have something, you know, that's yeah. going to, you know, keep you energized and keep you going. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. right now <laughs> I kind of look at owning Morris and services as a hobby because <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't have to live paycheck to paycheck, you know. Right, so. right, right. Well, and that's like, you know, I like doing my blogging and the podcasting and yeah. so on. I, I view that as a little bit of a hobby, although it's work, but it's work that I enjoy. And that's really what a hobby is. It's work that you enjoy. So, exactly. But, uh, yep. And then uh, is there anything that keeps you up at night? You know, what, what what keeps me up at night is if I if I've had a conversation with one of my clients and I just get stumped and, um, you know, so you're kind of rolling around and wrestling with, okay, so what's the right solution, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but that, you know, but, you know, as far as um, the uh, global situation out there, I, I don't let that keep me up at night. It's Yeah, I think that's more healthy. So, <laughs> yeah, I think the healthiest thing you can do is not listen to the news. So Exactly. <laughs> yep. That's why I do and a then, lot of reading and hiking and listening to music. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, what's your definition of success in farming? You know, Success in farming, I, I think, is, you know, um, you know, taking your resources and um, really, you know, getting yourself um, a good ROA on 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 those resources. And but but still, um, for for the most part, I think, um, contrary to what people believe, um, most of these farms are family owned. And yep. and I think you know the the success on on a farm operation is to um, have some st sustainable growth and um, have a plan to uh, pass that legacy on you know to to that next generation um, and being able to continue to uh, take advantage of um, that foundation that has been so successfully built. I mean, yeah. to me, that's a success of farming. Totally. Agree. No matter what your operation is. Well, that's those are the questions I had. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Wally, before we sign off? No, no, um, no I, I think you covered it. Um, you know, from from our standpoint, you know, you and I are kind of kind of probably the same age and uh, did the same thing, you know, rather than retire and be refired and yeah, um, yeah. enjoy what we do and, you know, uh, giving back to this um, dynamic ag community is just exciting to me. <laughs> totally agree. Again, uh, Wally, thanks a lot. This has been the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer, and this is Paul Nefer, your host, signing off. Uh -huh.